podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, babe, and it keeps it up. Out of sight, you know when that shark bites. So welcome everybody to another Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark, and Matt Macklin. And we are, of course, still in lockdown. By the time that you listen to this, though, the measures will have been relaxed to a degree because it's Friday night. It's Friday the 1st of May that we're recording this, and it'll come out on the Tuesday morning. And we discovered over the course of the last few days, that the Prime Minister will be announcing some some relaxation measures, uh, which well, that makes it sound uh, probably a lot better than it actually will be, um, which you'll be aware of by the time this goes out, I think. So I just wanted to make that clear because today we are going to throw forward a bit. So far during this crisis, we've, we've, stay, we've stayed away from talking about the coronavirus because I don't think anybody really wants to hear about it. And we've had some enjoyable conversations and just tried to keep the mood nice and light. And we'll still do that. But I think now it's, I think it's, I think it's okay now to strike a cautious note of optimism and just have a think about what boxing might look like when it does return, because people have been talking about it. Um, Eddie Hearn's been talking about it. Um, The British Boxing Board of Control have been talking about it. It's not going to look when it first comes back, anything like what we are used to but that's what will make it interesting I guess and the man that we've recruited for this conversation he's a man for all seasons but uh, he's particularly relevant to this discussion because it's it's Coogan Cassius the the grand imperator of uh, of IFL TV Coogan how are you doing? I'm all right I've never been referred to as a man for all seasons in my life <laughs> well to be honest I don't know what that means it, I love it. I like it. I'm going to start using it. A man for all seasons. Well, I think that's a that's a failing on behalf of people who have who have uh, given you an intro on any platform before. Because uh, a man for all seasons really is just somebody who's capable of illuminating any discussion uh, with erudition and insight. And uh, and that's you, isn't it? Let's be fair. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I've always liked you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Before we get into what it might look like when it comes back, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm curious to talk to you about what the last what, what the life is like for you at the minute professionally, and what the last few weeks have uh, have been like. And and firstly, I was thinking about this this morning because you're you're in a different situation to me and Matt. We all make our living covering boxing, but but me and Matt are, are, are members of a of a team. We're not in charge of Sky Boxing. Um, we're contributors. So even though you could see that this was coming, we could see that it was coming because it was happening in other happening in other countries and you knew that it was only a matter of time before live boxing started to disappear. Speaking just for myself, I hadn't really thought that much about what would happen. I realised that my work was going to, to disappear, but that would be the same for loads of different people. And I hadn't thought that much about what would the, the what the plan would be content wise but you you're in charge so you probably did have to think about that well probably obviously you did 
Anyway, I'm taking a very long time to ask it, but my question is, at what point did you start to think about that, about what you might do when, when the shit hit the fan? So the last boxing event, press conference, or any kind of media event was Oopsic Tesora. And that was on the 13th. That press conference took place in London on the 13th of March, which was a Friday. And um, you've got to remember, when that press conference was going on, that press conference was being put out for a view to the fight happening on May 23rd. So, obviously, when we were asking everyone involved, you know, are you concerned about the show going ahead? Everyone was answering it with caution and saying, well, you know, we're optimistic it will go ahead. As time's gone on, we've obviously realised that all these shows weren't going to be happening in May. But from the 13th of May, uh, March rather, um, it all quickly got shut down. Like everything, life got shut down. So um, I didn't panic about it because I thought we're going to have to take each day as it comes along, each week as it comes along, and, and see how this happens. Because prior to this, situation we're in now i'd never done a, a a skype interview i'd never done a zoom interview ever we've done the odd interview over the phone but the majority of our content as we, as you guys know is there in person so it was just a case of learning to adapt but the problem is as well because a lot of the boxing stories has occurred over the last six weeks um are more heightened by are more heightened than anything else because there's nothing else to talk about. We're not talking about physical fights happening because we don't know when they're happening. So, I mean, like, it's the stuff like with John Fury and Mickey and the guy Mickey Theo. I mean, the fight might not happen. It's not obviously on any professional basis. It'll be on a kind of white-collar thing. But everyone's kind of lapped it all up and are talking about it because, because it's John Fury for a start, but also because we are starved of boxing content as well. So... All the smaller issues uh, that have occurred in boxing are kind of bigger issues now because there's nothing to talk about. And we love to talk about boxing issues, uh, but we like to talk about the fights more so than issues around boxing. So uh, it's been difficult because I'm used to being on the road and I'm used to travelling abroad a lot uh, and being very active in getting content. But all we've had to do in the last six weeks. And it hasn't, it's been difficult as in it's not to the same standard and, and same pace and volume as what we're used to, but we've just had to adapt. So there has been less content and the quality of content has also been diluted just because we're not getting it in person. But um, I think we've adapted pretty well considering over the last six weeks. I don't know whether that's going to be the same case for May and June. Um, we'll, we're worrying about that now. How are we going to get content for May? Um, and then I'll worry about that in June. How are we going to get content in June? But the last six weeks have gone okay. Nothing spectacular in terms of like stuff going on. So it's just a, it's just learning to adapt. And I think the other boys that work with me as well um, just got into a pattern where they know that this is like now the formula, especially for the next two months minimum, like there's not going to be any boxing in this country in May or June. We know that. So 
Um, it's following what we've done the last six weeks and adapting it for the next two months minimum. And it could drag on further than that as well. We're not going to rule that out. I went to that U6's Aura press conference and it was a strange odd atmosphere because it was the first time really that I'd started to think about it, if I'm honest, that it seemed obvious to me that, that things were about to start shutting down. And as you say, people were being cautiously optimistic, but I think we all knew that we were there talking about a fight that wasn't going to happen on on that appointed date anyway uh, and as you say you just have to you just have to adapt to the situation as 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 best you can and talk up things that may be happening in the future and, and maybe do a bit of matchmaking i mean one interesting thing i've seen is the the matchroom kind of e press conferences uh, they did one with selby and cambosis didn't they and, and they've done one with o'hara davis and anthony fowler now without wishing to be a killjoy i don't see any possibility of that fight happening because fowler can't drop down far enough in weight safely there's no reason why O'Hara Davis would go up that high. His trainer said today, Angel, that, that he wouldn't be part of it if he went up another £10. Um, but this is what you have to do, isn't it? You have to try and generate some interest and some fun. You know, I don't really care, to be honest, that O'Hara Davis against Anthony Fowler, in my opinion, is never going to happen. doesn't mean you can't have a good knockabout bit of fun on YouTube with it. It's all harmless fun. And I think... Um... I think, yeah, I kind of share your views on that. I think by the time um, this fight they're talking about comes around, don't forget, obviously, O'Hara's got the golden contract final against uh, Tyrone McKenna. Um, Fowler's meant to be fighting Fitzgerald at, at some point. So I think by the time it comes around and boxing is kind of back in some sort of flow, I don't think anyone will be talking about that. Half, half these fights, and I suppose... Again, this is like something that Eddie Hearn jumps on now. If he sees a potential rivalry online, he could, you know, in any normal situation, he could say, well, I've got a show in Liverpool coming up uh, in June. Let's stick Fowler and, and OD on that there. And so it gathers pace, it gathers momentum, and there's a realistic fight that happens. This is probably a load of pie in the sky because by the time... Is, is the Fowler-O'Hara story going to run for another six to seven months? No, it's not. By the time it actually comes around, it probably, you're right, it's not going to happen. So, but is there anything wrong with seeing their back and forth on Twitter? And, I mean, there's two, two, what, two weights apart? I mean, O'Hara having to put on £10 to make 150 and, and Fowler, again, I don't know whether Fowler's capable of, of, of making 150 himself, but it, it's all talk at the minute. I don't think either of them are kind of looking at that fight thinking to themselves, this is definitely going to happen. Um, if we were out of this lockdown situation, this probably wouldn't have happened because the, the Golden Contract Tournament fight with McKenna would have happened, and I'm sure um, Eddie would have penciled in a date for the rematch with Scott Fitzgerald. So it's just... You know, I did, I did a similar one the other day with Lucas Brown and Tom Little, which was relatively entertaining. Um, again, that was a fight that was meant to have happened last year. I don't think there's anything wrong in doing this. It's a bit of entertainment. So people can take it literally. Um, if there's anyone who's going to put on a fight like Fowler and, uh, and O'Hara, it will be someone like Eddie Hearn. It's seen that there's genuine kind of beef or whatever between them and Hearn's the sort of person that would look to stick that on. But I think by the time it all comes back round to it, and with their, they've got fights before that, we know that 
Like I said, O'Hara's got a fight, McHenry's got a fight, Fitzgerald. I just think it'll fizzle out by the time it gets to it. And Matt, what do you make of it all? Because as, as I said to Coogan there, I don't really have any problem with, with igniting something, or lighting a little fire that might burn for two or three weeks, even if you think that long term there's not really anything in it. Because when I used to cover football in the summer months when there was no major tournament, you get into what we used to call silly season, where you just speculate endlessly about transfers. Some of them might happen, some of them might not. People didn't really care. You know, it's just it's just something to keep you going until the season started again. And that's weirdly that's sort of where we are yeah absolutely I mean the, the reality is it's just absolute shite talk <laughs> but you know <laughs> a bit of shite talk is, ever, Matt. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> a bit of shite talk is better than no talk and you know it keeps us entertained it keeps them occupied it keeps them thinking and you know who, who knows where things come out of it I don't think Fowler and O'Hara Davis I don't think that's like ever going to happen I think they're you know way apart in terms of weight I think Fowler's going to fight Fitzgerald um, O'Hara Davis has got to fight Tyron McKenna in the final of the golden contract but listen they're both personalities they've both got a lot to say on social media they've got been a bit of a collision and it's been fun watching it I suppose and also you see what an opportunity this can be for people with time on their hands to to really increase their profile I mean the, the big winner of this so far in boxing terms has been Joseph Parker because he was already a, a liked fighter everybody had time for him you know he's very personable very pleasant but you know he's going to be a bigger star in the world of boxing when this is finished than he was when this started and his market value um his saleability if you like is going to be it is going to be increased matt and and, and marketability is something that you you know we talk about quite a lot so when in any crisis it, it is also you know, it depends which way you look at it. It, it, it can also be a, be a bit of a land of opportunity if you can, if you can, you know, think creatively. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we all, a promoter, when he signs a fighter, he's looking at the marketability, he's looking for storylines, he's looking for areas where he can promote him. So, you know, if you've got someone like a Conor McGregor or Prince Nassim Hamid, you know, it's a dream come true because they're just, you know, they're, they're such good self-promoters and, you know, they're just, they're, they're natural showmen. Then you get someone maybe like Ricky Hatton, who's, you know, not as natural showman in that sense, but he's, uh, you know, he's um, the boy next door. Everyone can identify with him in the pub. He's a football fan. And do you know what I mean? He, he crosses over to, to, to that kind. But it's, it's, it's very important to be authentic. Now, Josie Parker, good fighter. Um, but nobody's seen that coming. Nobody realized he had such a good sense of humor because we've never really seen that side of him before. But th- those little video bits that he's put together, it's really sort of transcended his own personality. We've got to see a side of Josie Parker that we didn't know existed in him. So a lot of people are thinking, fuck me, that guy's a legend. How funny was that clip? Did you see that? And it, you know, it makes you relate to the fighter and it makes you kind of become a fan and you want, you're rooting for him and you want to see him win his next fight and you're, you're on his journey a little bit then. So he's someone that, even though he hasn't had a fight, look, because I always had a fight in his interim period, but his actual profile, I feel, his marketability... You know, it's gone right through the roof. Hey, 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 ki- hey, kids. Hey, everybody. Sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in hell, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. 
It's called The Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! So, in terms of what might happen when boxing comes back, let, let's just have a look at it from a kind of, from our point of view, if you like, from a from a media point of view, first of all, before we discuss too many kind of logistics about what form it might take, because although we've had a few details suggested, we would be guessing and we don't want to guess too much. But do you think, Cooks, that when we do get going again, it occurred to me that maybe the well the press pack if you want to call it that it will it will shrink in terms of who's allowed to go to stuff to start with maybe nobody will be allowed to go i mean that's that's something that would certainly affect you but there would be uh, and your name would be high on the invite list so if it was a, if it was a select few then you would make it but if there was nobody invited then obviously nobody would be able to attend. And that's a possibility if you've got to really keep numbers down. So firstly, from that point of view, access may be really limited, which will hurt some organisations. But also others may now feel like they don't have the, the, the income and the financial means to, to cover boxing in the way that they used to. Yeah, um, we've obviously seen uh, the Boxing Monthly come to, come to an end recently. Um, which is a great magazine, been going for years, um, and that's come to an end. But I think in regards to what you're talking about there, I, I spoke to Eddie about this the other day, and I, I just don't think Eddie quite knows by the time that this is in play in hopefully July what the circumstances will be around it. Because in theory, if there's a select amount of people that are allowed at these shows that all have to be quarantined, um, the media are last. And that's the reality of it. You know, um, you don't need the media there to put on the event, but you need everyone else to kind of make sure that an event in a studio will take place. So the media will be the kind of last priority if they are going to allow a handful of media there. They'll have to obviously abide to the same rules as everyone else. They'll have to be tested for COVID-19. They'll have to quarantine with everyone, which that isn't the issue. It's just the issue of whether um, you're allowed. And it's all going to come down to capacity as well, because I'm sure in all these situations, it will be outlined that you're only allowed in total that the boxers, the minimal teams, and boxers are not going to be allowed big teams to come and watch. You'll probably be allowed two people with you and that's it I'm assuming um, production of who's putting on the essential people but there might be a limit on the total amount of people that's allowed in the building uh, which will be more so how it is um, but like I said we're just this is all speculating we're, we're, we're looking at some guidelines potentially that Robert Smith um, put out a couple of days ago but all that could mean nothing you know this is all their idea of how it potentially could be. And I don't really think Robert Smith and, and Eddie Hearn know too much more than what we know. You know, they might know a little bit about possibilities for different situations, 
And if we're allowed this, then we do this. If we're allowed this, then we do this. But I think everyone's in the same boat. We're waiting for, first of all, next week. That's the first step because Boris Johnson's indicated that certain things may start to go back to normal. I don't think it's going to have much impact of, of our everyday life. I think maybe they allow certain people to go back to work at warehouses and, you know, in, in contained environments. I don't know, but I think next week's quite important to know how the next period's going to go. So until all that's sorted, all this talk at the moment is just talk, isn't it, really? We yeah, don't, don't, don't forget, Kugan, all, all he said was, and correct me if I've, if I've picked this up wrong, but I think all he said was next week he's going to discuss plans or um, of how we're going to get back there. He hasn't actually said next week we're going to raise up. He just said next week we're going to talk about or discuss uh, some options about how it's going to happen, when it happens. But he hasn't said, as far as I'm aware, that actually next week things are going to ease up. He no. hasn't said that. He hasn't said that, but next week on the 7th of May is the end of the second three-week period. So yeah. an announcement will have to be made because it sounds stupid. This is what I thought the other day, right? So when they initially announced a three-week period yeah, of a lockdown, there are people out there that don't have the common sense to realise that that's to be reviewed and there's going to be another... Do you understand what I mean? You have to yeah. send it out to people. And I think next week... It will be, I assume what will happen next week is the lockdown will get extended, but there might be certain things being eased. Yeah. Certain things that probably won't affect me, you and, and Andy, it will affect maybe some businesses. You know, shop, certain shops might allow to be uh, uh, reopening again, that, those sort of things. But it's not really going to affect our life because we're still in a lockdown. He's not going to lift the lockdown next week. We know that. But we no, know not. that certain aspects of everyday life to certain people may be eased. Um, yeah. But they'll have to announce something next week because you do have to spell it out to people because, you know, I don't know about you, but every day you're at home sitting there and you see, it just seems like you see more and more people out, especially when the sun's out. I mean, the sun hasn't been out for the last few days. It's been raining. But when the sun's out, I don't know, I just see these images of people in parks and, <laughs> around London and wherever else, and I'm just thinking to myself, where the fuck are these people going? Like, what are they actually doing? Like, it's <laughs> mad. It's yeah, mad. I've, I've never walked as much in my life. No, I, I I agree. It's it's it is a bit baffling at times, uh, and you're absolutely right to to make all those to sound all those caveats there because people are still guessing and. By the time you're listening to this, um, everybody listens to Macklin's take, then then the Prime Minister will have said something. But at the time of recording, we don't know exactly what. But just to kind of move the discussion on, with that in mind, I'm going to say that... I'm just going to paint a picture for you, put a, a potential scenario in place. In July, when we come to July, we will be able to get boxing going again behind closed doors yes there will be a limit on the amount of people who can be in attendance and there will be things that have to be resolved with regard to testing and the border control will have a lot of work to do on that regard and so will the promoters but i'm just going to assume that those obstacles will have been overcome and it's july the first and we've got a few weeks ahead of us where we are going to see some fights now 
one thing we can do is is kind of get into the details maybe of what sort of fights we're likely to see. Because one thing you would be pretty confident about is that whoever's in that ring, they're going to be from the UK. So we're not going to have any international opponents. So we're not going to have any international uh, titles on the line. I don't think anyone expected we'd have world title fights behind closed doors, but it's not impossible. Uh, but that's not going to happen. You wouldn't have thought. Uh, again, we are to, a, to an extent still speculating here, but common sense can, can give us an idea of what we will and won't see. And it will be domestic fights, won't it, between kind of prospects and opponents or maybe the odd kind of fight, uh, even at British title level, Matt, do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think what we'll probably start off with is something like, you know, the golden contract uh, finals, semi-finals, finals, you know, where we're at with that. Finish, finish those, they're, they're tournaments that were up and running, they were due to happen. I think, you know, we, we know who matched against who. I think they're the shows that will probably be the ones that kick us off. But I think it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be strange. I, I don't know what way they're going to go about it. I mean, are they going to, um, I don't know, for example do a fight week where they do three shows that week or four shows that week. Because if you're, you, if everyone has to kind of be, you know, come and go and pass tech, it's like, you know, in America, everyone's in, in, in Vegas or New York for the week of the fight. They get the medicals done. They do the licensing that week. Everything's kind of done that week, really. And everyone's in town and everyone's in the same hotel. And I'm, I'm guessing that maybe in terms of logistics and sort of making sure that they tick all the boxes with the medical, with the, the testing and everything, is that, you know, if you're setting up a, a show, let's say Eddie puts a marquee in the, the match room back garden and we do a show there and there's a local hotel and basically everyone that's working on the show stays in that hotel. So it's all kept kind of quarantined in that sense. You may, While we're all in town for the week, we may as well bang out four shows. Now, there's not going to be a live gate, but in terms of television, people are sitting in, people can't go anywhere. I'd imagine the viewing figures, the ratings on TV, are going to do good numbers. Now, apparently there's only going to be five bouts. Well, you don't need ticket sellers down the car selling tickets anyway because there's going to be a live gate. So I think it's important that they get back. I think the golden contract will probably be the first kind of bout, kind of shows that get done. I think it's going to be a minimum of four to five fights, and I think they're going to be good fights. I think they're really going to try and, you know, people are in. People want to fight. You, you want to be on TV. You want to be in meaningful fights. Get in there and fight each other. I think, that, I think there's going to be some, you know, good, good matchups. Hey, everybody. This is Moto G Pete from the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Noko Moto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. I mean, I, I, I don't see um, I don't see that as an issue. That's almost a positive thing. Some people will prefer that anyway. That you know, you can't fly people in, and all the opponents that, uh, for fighters do need to be domestic. And maybe we see some more intriguing kind of fifty-fifty fights because you know we've always said it in the past. Um, rather than flying in some opponents, the even like the lower level domestic clashes. We love to see, you know, everyone loves to see uh, kind of two of our own fighting each other as opposed to an unheard of from somewhere else. And we, we've always cried out for that anyway. So if this, 
kind of push that in this situation. I don't think anyone else would, would see a problem in that. But, yeah, I think, Matt, what you're saying is right. I think they're going to have to probably look to do a minimum of a couple of shows in a week where it's all kind of done almost at the same time because, you know, you can't... You think, if you if, if they're going to match you, are going to put on X amount of shows, you're talking about a period of time every week if they're going to do this weekly, which doesn't make any sense for them to do that, where everyone has to be, like I said, quarantined for that period of time, where you're better off kind of hammering out a few at a time. Yeah, I think so. A bit like, you know, a multi-nation tournament when you're boxing amateurs and everyone flies to wherever, and everyone's in the same hotel, everyone weighs in in the hotel, and then, you know, you box for four days, five days, back-to-back. I think that's probably going to be the most efficient uh, way logistically to get things done. If everyone has to keep testing, everyone has to be quarantined. Imagine if you only did one show a week and then you've got to do it all again. I think if you're getting that many people together, you know, you may as well do it like a, like a, a multi-nations tournament abroad or, you know, like I say, when, when there's big shows in America and there's a fight in Vegas or New York or wherever it is, Pretty much fight week. Everyone is in town for that fight week. There's, there's uh, promotional obligations. There's, there's medical licensee issues. And everyone just gets done that week. So I think in terms of, like I say, you're not selling tickets. So it's not like you are uh, you can't go day in, day out because you, everyone can't keep buying. You can't expect uh, people that are working. It's Saturday nights, isn't it? But, you know, this, we're, not, we're not selling to a live gate. So we're selling to TV audience. That's the people that don't watch these fights for the TV so we can go. If there's no, I don't see what would stop it from going. And I think in terms of logistics and and time and everything, I think to just to, to kind of set up a camp or, or you know like a a site, whether that's at the back of the match room offices or under the marquee, and then they use a hotel there, and everyone's kind of you've quarantined everyone, then you've kept everyone together for seven days. Make the most of those seven days. Get four or five. Get four or five shows out. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of a venue. I think you would have to have something which was yours and yours alone, and you had complete and total control over who was going into it and out of it at all hours of the day. So, hiring somewhere out as you normally would, I don't see how that could really work. I think it would have to be some kind of semi-permanent structure that you put up yourself, like you say a a marquee. I mean. You know, I was going past Finsbury Park the other day. The first thing that popped into my head was the uh, the famous tent in Finsbury Park for for Nigel Ben Michael Watson. You wouldn't yeah. need anything on that scale, but you know these things can be done. But also, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Matt. But you know, like if they actually use a hotel, obviously the hotel can't be being used by anyone else. It's got to be strictly for the people that are quarantined for the boxing. Otherwise, it defeats the object of it. So, yeah, but who's, who's, who's staying in hotels now anyway? Well, exactly, yeah, I suppose, yeah. I mean, that would be difficult to do. What I mean is, it, it, everyone, like I said, from from day one of whenever they decide is the start to the moment the fight's over, you're right, has to be kept together. Because otherwise, yeah. Um, and the only way you do that is if you've got a certain control over, like, the venue. You're right. So... We, yeah. we could be talking sense or we could be talking, this could be just completely nothing. We don't know, do we? That's the thing. We don't know, come July, what the situation is going to be. No, no. That's, that's... I, mean, I mean, I mean, from your point of view as well, Kirby, we're talking about media, who's going to come and go. So there aren't too many 
dedicated to covering boxing that actually get the content like you do. You know, you get all the good stuff. I, I think that the you'll be okay. I think that that you'll be there'll be uh, you know an exception made for you. Well, I'd like to think so, but again, we're not entitled to anything. I think if there's the possibility of of any media going there, I'd like to think that we possibly could be one of those people. But like I said, I don't look at it like oh, we have to be there entitled to. It says, and I, I did ask Eddie about it, and that's you know that's what Eddie said. He doesn't. I suppose you can't rule out the possibility of, like I said, me, just me or someone else in the media quarantined with everyone. But um, I'd like to think that, yeah, I would be allowed. But like I said, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. And listen, it's not just me, is it? There's loads of other media out there. There's papers, etc. We'll all say the same thing that, you know, we should be there or if anyone's allowed that we should be there. And I'm sure a lot of people will have the same same take on it. So, it's hard to even be talking about this now with regards to the media, but um, the first step is media or no media, let's get some boxing on, you know, yeah. let's get that on and then I think everything else will fit around it. Yeah, I think, and I think it'll start with the likes of the Golden Contract because that's, that's a tournament that's already up and running and coming to the final stages anyway. I think it ticks the box in terms of the, the good fights, domestic opponents, etc. Then you're probably talking the, the kind of JD next-gen kind of shows, but I think the big pay-per-view level shows, I think they're going to be pushed back a little bit. They're going to be, we, we need to get up and running and, you know, kind of cut our teeth, the media, the promoters, the fighters, everything, the British boxing border control. There's going to be, you know, teething issues, little mistakes, so we need to kind of maybe get through those on the smaller shows before they go straight into a big show and also, you know, managing fighters' expectations in terms of what's the money, what's the going rate and you know, Frank Warren and he heard, are they kind of going to undercut each other? And, you know, then nothing gets done. I think they'll probably have to kind of, you know, it's not like there's, maybe they're going to have to agree. It's a British title fight, that's the money. European title fight, that's the money. Whether it's Frank Warren or it's Eddie Hearn, you know, that's the go. That's the money for those kind of fights. And, you know, the, the, in terms of the pay-per-views where the main event, where Dillian, let's say, for example, who owns the show and he's on a split of the profit with, uh, with Matchroom, you know, that, that's going to be very different now because now you're not going to have the revenue of a live gate. Maybe you'll do bigger buys because people staying in will buy the pay-per-view. But then, I don't know, are people struggling financially? They've been laid off work. It's, there's, a, there's so many ifs and buts and maybes before anything really gets done here. Eddie Hearn said to me the other day, he's right in what he's saying, um, small hall boxing, I mean, if we take kind of that the golden contract out, it's because that's a sky show. Um the everyday small hall boxing, that for the moment and for the foreseeable future is dead because obviously a lot of them fighters and promoters rely on ticket sales. Yeah. Um, so that isn't an option at the moment. So if you haven't got TV money, uh, you're in a pretty like a bad situation with this. Um, it's all right having the luxury, if it's possible, of, of putting shows in studios like what Eddie's trying to do and we haven't heard about what Frank's going to be doing regarding things like the boy and Joyce, et cetera, et cetera. But they're in a position where they can do something. There's a lot of promoters out there that are in a position and a lot of fighters out there that they're not going to be able to box because, obviously, their money is reliant on, on the tickets they sell. 
Well, I was speaking to John Pegg the other day, and John puts on, I don't know, probably six to eight shows, uh, you know, non-TV shows a year, and he always does well, and his fighters know the score, they've got to sell their tickets, etc., etc. But, you know, you know, he said the other day, you know, obviously you're not, you can't do an open show. What about doing maybe a dinner show of four or five bouts? He said, that's great, John, but then the staff, then it's the hotel, then people that can't have a drink probably think, well, I don't want to go to a dinner show. I, I, I think the, uh, as you're rightly saying, Cougar, those kind of non-TV small hall shows, I think they're finished for a while, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because there's a lot of good, like you mentioned there, John Pegg, Steve Goodwin obviously does a lot of stuff uh, down here in the South. Um, and it's not just the promoters, it's the fighters on the bill. You know, Steve Goodwin could put on a show with like 13, 14 bouts. That's like 28 boxes, but he does that quite consistently. So it's a knock-on effect to everyone, isn't it? And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of boxers at a certain level losing their sponsorships and, um, you know, their backing from certain companies because obviously companies can't afford to pay them in this situation because uh, of what's going on. So it's got a knock-on effect. Like, the state of this, by the time it gets back to normal... Like I said, a lot of people might not be in a, even in a position to be in boxing by the time it actually gets back to normal. And that's not specifically to boxers. That could be, you know, everyone involved around the scene of boxing. There is going to be a lot of people that won't be continuing in, in the sport once this gets back to normal. Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the the smaller hall scene there because I was going to come on to that myself because we have just been talking about purely TV shows and, of course, there is a huge landscape and an absolutely crucial one that exists outside of that. And, and as you say there are going to be lots of fighters who are staring down the barrel of not fighting for quite some time because the kind of fighters we're going to feature on these cards that we were talking about are with the shows that we cover, matching fighters. Frank Warren shows his fighters um, and then their opponents, basically, um, of varying levels. But if you're, if you're an ambitious fighter, a decent fighter, but you don't really want to go on the road then there are no fights for you until normal service basically starts to get resumed and we just don't really have any way of knowing when that'll be, obviously. Another thing I saw the other day, which, which, which I found very interesting, was, th- was some footage of this show from Nicaragua. I don't know if, if either or both of you saw that. I saw, some, I saw some images. I didn't see any actual live footage from it, but I just saw some images of, of the ring and the fighters in the ring. Well, if you've both seen the pictures, then that's absolutely fine because it was, it's really the crowd that was the interesting thing. They, they did have 
people in. They did have spectators in, but they were socially distanced, sitting two metres apart from each other. uh, And they had personal uh, protective equipment on as well. And okay, they were there and watching live boxing. But does anybody really want to go and watch live boxing in that kind of scenario, in those kinds of circumstances? You will get a handful of people who do, just really dedicated fans who take their seat for the very first bell of the first fight at half past four and stay right to the very, very end. And they're just staring at the ring the whole time. I mean, I'm one of them if I go to a show. But the vast majority of people, that's not what they go to boxing for. So no, they, know, go, they go for the night out, don't they? The, the, the event, it all goes with it. I, I don't think that's, I don't think there's going to be, these shows are going to be open to the public. It may be a case where the promoters say, look, you're allowed four, five, six immediate families, best friends, whatever. You, you pick the five or the six people and maybe they're allowed a pass to come in and watch and cheer and support. But I don't, I don't think there's going to be any um, gates, open sales or anything like that. I, don't, I just don't see that happening. No, nor, nor do I, nor do I. But my point is that even when even when it comes to a point where they feel like they may be able to relax things to the tune of you can have a gate of two or three hundred, if you've got to observe rules like the ones we saw being observed in Nicaragua, then my personal feeling would be you may as well not bother. You may as well not take that risk and just wait until you can get a proper crowd in. Say that again, Matt. I was going to say, I don't, as Andy's saying there, I, I just think if, if, if they say two, three hundred can go, I just think people aren't going to go. I think I just think they'd rather watch it on television. You know, you're not, not getting the night out. You're not getting the atmosphere. Do you know what? You're right in what you're saying. It's not just a case of you being allowed to do something. It's a case of do people want to actually do that? Because if they called it on tomorrow, all right, we use the Premier League as a quick example, yeah? If the Premier League was to resolve um, and say, right, we're starting the season uh, in two weeks' time, would I really... I go to the Emirates every week, yeah? Would I go to the Emirates where there's going to be, forget 60,000, 30,000 people? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't go. I generally wouldn't go. And I think a lot of people, even when things start to get back to normal, will be reluctant to go out anyway to a show or to go out in general to somewhere where there's masses of people. But as Matt said, a lot of people, we see it on these O2 nights, it is a night out. You get a percentage of people that are hardcore boxing fans, but it is in the minority. The majority of people going to watch one of these O2 pay-per-view nights are there to have a drink, to have, do you know what I mean, to socialise, to be out, and there's some boxing on. There is a lot of a percentage of people that go out for that reason. So if you take that element out of it, who actually then will turn up to the shows? No, that was that was the, the point I was making, really, is that, uh, as you say, and, and you, you, you put it neatly there, just because you're allowed to do something, it, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to do it, because it needs to be, you need to be allowed to do it in the form that, that you want to, that, that makes it that makes it enjoyable. Um, and just just to go back to something that we we touched on a little bit earlier on, and, and you picked up on Coogan as well, which is that when this is over, when when we've come through this and things are getting back towards normal, the amount of people involved in in boxing in various different degrees or in other sports as well may may well have, have decreased. That pool may well be shallower. Um, people may well 
may well disappear. Do you, do you see that happening in the, in, in the media? Do you see the, the media pack shrinking in size because there will be people who just can't afford to do it anymore? I mean, I'm talking particularly about your, your area, the online platform, because we know from speaking to you previously that what a hard grind it is um, and you know, how, much, how much it took to keep IFL going and that there were, there were stops along the way um, where you question whether, whether whether you could or not. Well, you've got you've got. I was actually talking about this today uh, to, to someone, and I think in the whole YouTube boxing world, you've got a core of about between America and here. You've got a core of probably about eight channels that eight to ten channels that probably earn a living. I'm not saying. There's other channels that will earn money from it, but I'm talking about actually earn a living, and that's their that's their income every month. Okay, so I don't really see there being any more than that um, in boxing. So everyone else who does similar to what we do and, and the other boxing channels do, I kind of question whether it's their source of income anyway. It, if it's not their source of income, then they are going to survive because it doesn't really matter for um, a channel then to not have regular content for, say, six months and then pick it back up. But if it is your job and if it is your sole income and this is how you make your living, then, yeah, all these channels, um, the top channels across America and, and the UK, will be affected, but... The strongest ones will, and I assume when I say the strongest ones, that core of about eight to ten channels will have enough in the tank to kind of resume. But the other channels who, I know the way the numbers work and I know what kind of videos, uh, the volume of videos you've got to be doing to, to earn a living out of it, it probably won't affect them, Andy, to be honest with you, because it's not, like I said, it's not their bread and butter it's something they do a lot of the media that comes to boxing shows um do it because of the love of the sport which is a great way to do it and if you can afford to do it great you know if you do it because you know for us it's kind of a mix you know i've turned this into a job but it's also something i love doing but there's a lot of outlets out there not just youtube but there's a lot of writers out there for magazines and publications etc podcasts etc that do it just because they love to do it and they love to talk about boxing. So it may not affect them. You know, when they come out of this, they might just find themselves in exactly the same situation as they were prior to it. Just out of interest, since this has started, what has been, what's been your biggest hit? What, what's, what's the video you've done that has, that has done the most views? John Fury. Oh, actually, yeah. I guess, I guess that's quite predictable, isn't it? <laughs> John Fury. That's what I said about people kind of maybe heightening... Uh, certain boxing topics that may have not. John Fury kind of does very good numbers on across social media and YouTube, etc. Across not just my channel, but just um, all channels anyway. But I think this possibility of of John Fury having uh, having a fight again has got people talking. And I'll be honest with you, if I kind of look at the numbers over the last four weeks. Um, the, the thing that everyone has spoken about the most with the most traffic um, 
has probably been the possibility of John Fury having this fight. So, again, it's one of these situations where the fight may or may not happen. I don't know. I haven't had a daily update of this. But, <laughs> um, it, 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 listen, again, it's a talking point, and that, but that's where channels like ours, because we don't show live fights, we do now with obviously showing the MTK fight nights over the last two or three years, but we're not predominantly known uh, uh, for broadcasting fights um, yet. Hopefully, in, in time, it will be like an equal spill of people tuning in to watch IFL, to watch uh, our shows with MTK, uh, and also the interviews. But we are predominantly known for a channel that does uh, interviews. And all our stuff is built around the drama, around boxing. So, you know, there isn't... Listen, right now, the truth of the matter is, there isn't anything to really talk about apart from, you know, what's going on in our day-to-day life. So when a story breaks, even like yesterday, you know, <laughs> about Joshua and Fury potentially have started talks uh, about, you know, the location, etc. You know, I heard Eddie Hearn talking about it on Sky Sports tonight, saying that, you know, it's it's just they're talks. It doesn't mean that official discussions, but everyone kind of where we're starved, it's like Joshua Fury and everyone's doing the same thing. Sky Sports is doing the same thing. Everyone's doing the same thing because... It's like, it's a boxing story. Like I said, in the normal midst of something going on, if Dylan White was fighting Povetkin this week and Billy Joe was fighting Canelo this week, this kind of topic would be a side piece, really, uh, about a potential location for... And it's nothing that hasn't been spoken about before. We know that there's potential of Joshua Fury landing in Saudi. We already know this. So it's just, it's been talked about over the last 24 hours because... We haven't really got anything else to talk about. So how how tempted have you been then to to be really kind of mischievous? Because we we know that you know there's a lot of community in boxing, a lot of a lot of camaraderie. You've got very good contacts. Um, boxers are very kind of open and amenable, and they'll want to keep their name out there whilst this is going on. And uh, and they're all entrepreneurs, so they will see this as as also as a land of opportunity. Uh, the more optimistic ones amongst them. Um, of any kind of schemes, you don't have to give them away, but of any kind of schemes at any point popped into your head where you just thought, you know what, I could give him a ring and give him a ring and just see if I could talk them into just talk them into just, just kicking something off. It doesn't really have to be real. It doesn't matter. Um, it'll be fun. And I know you kind of did it with Lucas Brown and, and Tom Little, but, but I mean, I, I, you know, you're, you're an intelligent, scheming individual, Coogan. I'd imagine these things are going through your mind. To be fair... To be fair, right, that's no different to what I do normally anyway. So <laughs> it ain't no different because if I, but it's just I'm trying to do it at home as opposed to being there. How many times have I been around fighters and promoters at shows and around press conferences where I have literally created the situation myself? Yeah, multiple times because, you know, I know that interaction is what people want to see and they want to whether it's a fight that can potentially happen or whether it's a situation that's just been forced because those two people have come together. But that's what we normally do anyway, um, which makes a better viewing. It, it does in general. It's just the difference is trying to do that from home. Like these e-press conferences, let me tell you, Frank, yeah, they're a fucking great, it's a great idea. And like I said, we saw the one with O'Hara and Fowler the other day. They're a great idea, but it's not easy to do them because I've tried, I genuinely have tried to do about 
five of these. Between like us and the boys, we've tried to do about five of these, and none of none of them have come off because one fighter is always open to do it. The second fighter has declined it. Like we've not been in a situation where both fighters have declined it, but we've been in a situation in those five instances, and I'm not going to name the fighters, but they're one of them was always up for doing it, and the other one isn't doing it. So it's actually more difficult. When you're in a situation at a show, I could be interviewing a Kel Brook, and this isn't one that I've tried, a Kel Brook. I see Amir Khan walking along or or within distance. To bring Amir Khan into the interview is much more feasible than trying to get these two guys over um, an e-press conference. And I'm sure that Matchroom will, will will have found the same thing as well, because it's not... I know Eddie tried to get Fox and Calzaghi to do one, and by all accounts, I don't think Fox is really up for it. And I don't really think Calzaghi would be up for it as well. I mean, in theory, I'd love to see it, and I'm sure you would do as well, to see that fight that never happened, which is never going to happen, obviously, with the both retired. But that, that situation now, I don't think, as far as I know, that Hearn could, could, could pull that off. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it, Coogan? As you mentioned there, Amir Khan, Cal Brook, for example... You know, there's a feeling, isn't there? Cal Brook wants to fight with Amir Khan. Amir Khan doesn't really want it with Cal Brook. Then you've got Liam Smith and Cal Brook. Maybe Liam wants that fight more than Cal Brook, because Liam's got more to gain than what Cal has. So I, I, I'm totally with you. It's, it, these are great ideas in theory, but in the reality, in putting it together, I think there's always going to be one. You know, it's very rare you're going to get two that want that fight with each other as much as, as each other. You know, there's a lot of the time in in terms of timing and crossroad fights, one's got more to gain than the other. And, of and that's course. difficult. Of course. And, and, and Matt, don't forget as well, some fighters, like, they can't build themselves up to talk about a fight that isn't happening, right? So these e-press conferences are great if you look at it in the right way. I did one with Archie Sharp and Zelfa Barrett. So, obviously, Zelfa Barrett left uh, Queensbury and Frank and joined up with Matchroom. Archie's still with them. That's still a good fight in the Super Featherweight. But because those guys, there's not genuine, like, they don't hate each other. I spoke to them individually and asked them, you know, would you come on, little, have a little bit of banter, talk about it. And it was, it, was a, it was good. It was a good watch, but there was no heat. There was no, like, beef around it, which, which was, it saw another side to it. They kind of had a bit of respect. It, it went on for 25 minutes. They both kind of put their cases across. But if I was to ring Amir Khan, and say to Amir, right, I want to do this press conference um, <laughs> with Kel Brooks. Are you up for it? On nine times out of ten, I reckon Amir Khan will say no. And if I said it to Kel Brook, I don't think he'd do it either. Because I think these kind of fighters, they want to, they need to know. You know, we've seen people in press conferences. They gear themselves up. They know that kind of, right, I'm fighting him on Thursday this is the press conference Thursday, I'm going to give it to him, or I'm going to... You know, they're in that mindset. To try and put get them out of that mindset to a, a fight that's not going to happen or isn't even uh, have a possibility of happening is is a difficult thing. And I, I, I don't know who Matchroom have approached to do these, but I could probably assure you that it's not as easy. You know, like a, a Liam smith Kelbrook one, Matchroom could pull that off. They represent both fighters... Um, they could, they could probably pull that one off. The Calm Brook one, I'd be astounded if, if Eddie was to pull that off. Uh, you know, but it, it, it's, 
like you said, in theory, they're good ideas, but practically trying to do them, like I said, fighters are not always up to these. Yeah, and as and as and as amenable as as fighters are, and as 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 accommodating as they can be, you, you make a crucial point there, which is that when it comes to talking about any fight, even if it's one that they don't think is going to happen, then game faces come on, and that's just inevitable. And, and even if you know in your mind that this is just a bit of fun, and it's and it's almost certainly not going to happen, you still can't allow yourself to be the one who comes out worse it's it's there is no such kind of thing as make-believe really in boxing whatever level you're you're trying to do it on and it's I mean it's been an exercise in creativity for for everybody really but but there is there are only a finite number of things that you can that you can realistically realistically do at the end of it and has it been a case of rather than trying to think of a hundred different things that you might do just trying out a few different things, working out what works best, and just sticking to that. Kind of, but I do like to kind of explore a different concept of doing things as well, even if it has already been done. If we haven't done it, I still look at it as um, a different concept to to whatever. Um, but it, it's difficult to really think of situations where, you know, what I'm trying to do more so now is involve more people in the interview. You know, that is not a, like a new, a new thing as such, but um, where my, the way I do it is normally a one-on-one. Um, to involve more people within an interview is something that I'll look to do more, but it's not groundbreaking stuff. I'm not saying, oh, you know, that's never been done before and blah, blah. It's been done every week. But um, it's hard to actually come up with different ideas to uh, what hasn't already been done because whatever idea you think of, I guarantee you, especially if you're trying to do something in boxing, you've got to be very, very creative to come up with something that hasn't already been done. So chances are, if you are thinking about doing something, um, it has already been done. It's just you probably haven't done it. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's difficult as well. Anything we're talking about, any future matchups, any dates, it, it, we're all just, you know what I mean? It's, it's all kind of, we're all pissing in the wind, aren't we? It's, we? We don't know anything concrete. There's no definite anything because, look, listen, until the Premier League's back up and running, and they're probably way up. You know, boxing's going to follow after that. We, we're way and the pecking order in terms of knowing where what's going to happen next. You know, it's just, you know, how is anyone going to get too fired up or too motivated or, or you know, even, in, you know, to do to an interview that's kind of catches any bit of interest or fire. We're really they're talking about a fight that may never happen. Absolutely. Matt, you up for doing one with Darren Barker? <laughs> I think it'd be the most polite one we've ever done. Yeah, that would be a good one. That would be a good one. But you're right, though. You're right. If anyone when... comes to you with that, Matt, tell them no. Tell them you're doing it with us. <laughs> As we've been saying right from the start of this, it is we've been living in the land of of of, of speculation um, today throughout the course of this. But there's. You know, that's okay because on certain subjects, at least, we're able to provide you with informed speculation, or at least at least I like to think we are. Um, 
So just to wind up with last few minutes, um, we haven't seen each other, the three of us, for well, for a good while. Last time I saw you, saw you Coogan, was at that that Usyk Chisora press conference. What are you on about? We're in the same room. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just going to shatter the illusion of, uh, of of social distancing. Something We're which we obviously not in the same room for anyone out there. Hundred percent not. Right, go on. Um, so, what would you say? What would you say has been your lockdown lockdown highlight so far? Has it been anything that stood out? Is, is there a particular kind of like moment or just something? It could be something funny. It could be something weird. Um, or has it just been Groundhog I've got Day? To say, Joseph Parker's right up there. That you know what? Not just Joseph Parker, but his team behind him creating that. Because I think people give obviously Joseph Parker the credit for being like the face and putting it together. But the people involved in his like creative creation team, if that's such a thing of actually getting props and making people look like characters within films. And and the editing of that is, is sensational. And it has been one of the highlights, definitely. And, and another highlight, who I didn't realise was actually that funny, is Sam Maxwell. Have you seen the videos like Sam Maxwell's? Yeah, yeah, he's been well. good. He's been good. He's been very good in this as well. So I think, yeah, certain, certain boxers' personalities have uh, have definitely come, come to light in this lockdown. But... In general, I just, I don't know, just we check the news every day looking for a bit of positivity um, and everything's kind of just, it has just been like Groundhog Day. It's just literally been like Groundhog Day. I'm sure it has been for you guys as well. So um, I'm not going to pick out like a a life-changing moment within this kind of period. Just, um, yeah. Anything life-changing happened for you, Matt? No, definitely not life-changing, although I have uh, cleaned the house and organised cupboards and done things that I've never, ever done, but I've been meaning to do every day, but just keep getting put back. I've been master procrastinator. Uh, back running, done a, I probably never ran as much, definitely haven't ran as much uh, since I retired. Um, so, yeah, a few positives there. That's about it, really. Yeah, I've, I've not, I mean, I've been helping my wife out with her, her chocolate business, so I've been down there quite often just sitting at a table wrapping chocolate bars, which is, you know, passes the time. It's pretty crushingly dull stuff, to be to be honest. www.lucococochocolate.com, by the way, you can place your orders there. Uh, and a lot of people have been, actually. A lot of people in boxing have been. I knew you were going to put that in. I knew you were going to plug that. You've got to plug it, hasn't it? <laughs> a lot of people, I know, but thanks to people who have, because seriously, like two or three weeks ago before Easter, um, we did a few little videos and stuff, and um, I recognised quite a lot of the names that came in on the on the order sh- um, sheet, so that was brilliant. Um, other than that, I've been, I've been getting back into a bit of reading. Um, I've always been a big reader, so I started this little thing on Twitter, Boxing Book Club, just getting people to send in, in their recommendations for boxing books, and um, I've got about a stack of 10 on the top of my wardrobe, just opposite me now, which, which I've not read, which, um, which I'm going to get stuck into over the next few weeks. So I've not really set myself any high bar for achievement. You, you see all these things about people, you know, you must learn a language or learn how to bake or get fit or whatever, and that's great if you want to do all of that, but you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. I think that's the... I think that's been that's been the glory of this for me. You know, you 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 observe the guidelines, you stay healthy, hopefully, and you don't have to do anything. And at what period again in the near future, or for the rest of our working lives, are we ever going to be able to say that again? That you know, for weeks on end, I don't have to do anything. 
Well, hopefully never again, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully we, we don't ever have to say that again. But. Yeah. It's one of them ones, isn't it? It's like, all right, I've had my rest now. Fucking bored of this. Let's get back to work. But this, but this is how it is, like, rounds. You know, like, after Christmas, after we have our last show, like, a week before Christmas or sometimes, like, a few days before Christmas, there's that period between then and some point in January where you've kind of had that little bit of time off boxing and it's like, right, middle of January, when's the next show on? What's going on? We're kind of in that situation now, except... We don't know when we're saying we're coming back because that is what it's been like. That's what it's been like. That little period where no one's doing anything. Uh, like I said, the last show in December up until at some point in January, that's what it's been like, but with no no, like date to return. Yeah, and it's like really coming at the end of this, there's going to be two things, isn't there? A massive baby boom and a massive spike in divorce rate. <laughs> yeah, that's what everybody's been saying. That's what everybody's yeah. been saying. Well, it's um, true, isn't it? But yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right, Coogan. It's it's we we have fallow periods in boxing. They're not they're not as long as they used to be. But we know that they're coming to an end, and and we'll know the dates when things will get going again. And and I think there will be feverish excitement when any kind of a date gets put in the diary. Um, it'll be it'll be well, quite something. You know what's what what's worth a mention as well. And I don't even think this fight will end up happening, but. Marius Wack and Kevin Johnson. Yes. Date scheduled for June on pay-per-view. Yeah, in Poland, not... isn't it? What's that? It's in Poland, Poland, isn't it? Yeah, in Poland. At some hotel, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'd be all over that. You know, there's... there's, there's, there's... <laughs> I, I would. I mean, I'd be all over that. Um, we met Marius Wack, didn't we, in, um, in Saudi? And... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, any kind of live boxing that's out there at the minute, um, I would happily... I would happily watch and yeah, like everybody else, we're just thirsting to get back into action. So I think we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Coogan, it's been, it's been great to catch up. Um, glad you're well, first of all. Um, and you seem to be coping. You seem to be coping as well as, 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 as myself and Macklin. And I think we're doing Coogan's okay. Super chilled out. If Coogan was any more fucking laid back, it'd be horizontal. <laughs> Alright, you know what? It's like with anything, isn't it? You just all of us just you just adapt, you get used to a situation and that's what we're having to do now. So Addy, as you said, listen to what the government's saying, do your part, because it ain't a lot to ask. What they're asking us to do is fuck all, isn't it? They're not telling well, us it's to literally go fuck all. fight a war, they're telling us to fucking stay at home. Like it, it ain't the most difficult thing to do in the world in the grand schemes of what's going on outside. So do that. I mean, I mean I, the way the way I've been kind of thinking about it in in well for the last few weeks really is that you know this is a this is kind of a team sport that we're playing at the minute and 
You know, in a team sport, what you what what you don't do is when things start to go a bit wrong. So this crisis, if you like, and this is a hilariously oversimplified analogy, but this whole crisis was, you know, things starting to go wrong in the middle of a match. Now you don't start pointing the fingers and apportioning blame then and deciding who's to blame and why it's happened. You get your shit together, get on with it, and and, and produce the best result you can. You can have the inquest later. And what's been a bit frustrating about all of this sometimes is. A lot of journalists have been keen to say, why didn't we start testing earlier? We should have seen this coming. Why this? Why that? It's happened now. And whilst you're in the middle of it, you've just got to deal with it as best you can. And then and then these things can be looked at at, um, at a later date. But, um, well, I think we'll leave it there. I think we'll leave it there, chaps, before we get onto our soapbox. You left it there 20 minutes ago, by the way. So. I know. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just thinking about a list of things that I've got to do this evening. You see, that's why. And I thought if I could just hide back, hide up here in my uh, in my in my study, I guess you would call it, for as long as possible. I might w- w- once we finish this, I might just I might just carry on talking as <laughs> so the podcast still going, do it. Do it. so I can stay up here. Anyway, that is it. That really is it. So thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks, Coogan. Um, uh, we hope to see you in the flesh. We hope to see your noble features again soon because. That will mean that we're all back in the room and and, uh, and covering boxing. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast that we keep uh, bringing out for you on Macklin's Take. We're still going to try and keep rattling along at two a week whilst we're whilst we're under these kinds of conditions because people seem to be enjoying that. Uh, and we'll be back again soon. And old Lucy Brown Yes, that line falls on the right page Not that mad Back in Podcast Network.